Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Tuesday, October 18th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Maya Sargent. And here are today's headlines. Migrant children will receive support in New York City public schools. It's called Project Open Arms. The program helps kids with the enrollment process, language support, and offers them school supplies and clothing. Project Open Arms is a response to the already overcrowded school system. School Chancellor David Banks says they're enhancing Project Open Arms with more bilingual programs, more funding so schools can hire staff and recruit more social workers that speak Spanish. Activists are blaming the horse carriage industry for the death of Ryder. He was a carriage horse who gained attention after he collapsed in Hell's Kitchen in August. The organization New York Class is demanding Mayor Adams pass Intro 573. This bill will start phasing out carriage horses in the city. When Ryder first collapsed, doctors found extreme health issues and he was eventually euthanized. Now, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is looking into the situation. They are investigating Ryder's owner for allegedly falsifying vet records and lying about his age. If found true, these two factors would question Ryder's eligibility as a carriage horse. Victims of domestic abuse are receiving more protection and support from New York State. The new law allows victims of domestic abuse to protect their names from federal databases. The law also makes it easier to cut financial ties with their abuser if they share the same utility bill or rent. And it makes it harder for domestic abusers to buy a gun or possess one in the first place. Governor Hochul says the time for talk is over. We're going to continue to do everything we can to keep people out of harm's way and give them flexibility to make the best decisions for themselves and their families and just literally give them a new lease in life. The news comes in the wake of Governor Hochul's announcement to open a new $80 million affordable housing development in Queens called the Kira. It will feature an exclusive wing for victims of domestic abuse. Popular late-night talk show host James Corden has been criticized for being difficult to get along with. But he is being welcomed back at swanky Manhattan restaurant Baltazar after a brief ban. Keith McNally is the owner. He kicked Corden out for being rude and aggressive to management and waitstaff. McNally says he did this to show support for restaurant employees. After Corden called him and apologized, McNally took to Instagram to welcome the comedian back to Baltazar. The song Heat Waves by Glass Animals breaks the Billboard record for the longest reign in the Hot 100 singles chart, making an appearance on the list for 91 weeks. Sometimes all I think about is you, late nights in the middle of June. The Glass Animals single overtakes The Weeknd's Blinding Lights, track which previously held the title. This is the longest a single has ever ranked in this list during the chart's 64-year history. Now let's head over to the world of sports with WFUV's Gino Alva. The New York Yankees was scheduled to play Game 5 of the American League Division Series yesterday against the Cleveland Guardians in the Bronx, but it was canceled due to a rain delay that spanned over four hours. The game will be played today at Yankee Stadium at 4.07 p.m. The winner will advance the American League Championship Series. And Gino, do we have any updates on the Giants and the Jets? Yes, we do, Isabel. The New York Giants are now 5-1 after their victory on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. They are arguably the biggest surprise of the NFL season. The New York Jets won their fourth game of the season against the Green Bay Packers and are now second in the AFC East. 
the NHL season has just begun and the Rangers are 3-1, defeating the Anaheim Ducks last night. The Islanders have one win and one loss in the last five days and will play the New Jersey Devils next week in the UBS Arena. For WFUV Sports, I'm Gino Alva. Thanks, Gino. Leading up to the midterm elections taking place across the country on November 8th, WFUV News will be hosting our election series, exploring different avenues in the political sphere and voting process. Today, my co-host Maya Sargent will kick off this series by looking into how rumors of voter misinformation have become an increasing threat to voter participation. She talks to organizations across the city who are working to combat this. The country is gearing up for the midterm elections, taking place on November 8th. These elections mark the midpoint of President Biden's four-year term in office. They will decide the makeup of the Senate, the House of Representatives, and local appointments like judges and assembly members. Whilst these elections are essential, they usually have a much lower voter turnout than, say, a presidential election. And now, after the contested 2020 election and the riot on the United States Capitol in January of 2021, there's another problem rearing its head. Voter misinformation. The threat of voter misinformation, think claims of dead people voting, people voting twice, and an alleged stolen election, has since become a threat to democracy. But there are people on the ground setting that record straight. The pieces of that is really kind of getting ahead of misinformation before uh, before it starts. So educating people truly on what the process look, looks like and where your ballot goes after you put it in the box and, and how it gets processed. You know, not necessarily debunking things, but um, pre-bunking them, if you will, um, which allows people to have confidence and security in our democracy. That's Erica Smitka, the deputy director for the League of Women's Voters in New York State. The League of Women's Voters is a nationwide foundation that is over a century old. She says, after recent events, it's all about getting the public to trust the system again. And that's the only way democracy is going to work, right, is if people believe in the process and believe that they, uh, again, that, you know, letting their voice be heard uh, and that their voice is, is counted as a part of that. Erica says it's important for the public to know how polluting rumours of voter fraud can be to voter participation and democracy. Because truly instances of, of voter misconduct are just so isolated and exceedingly rare. As a foundation that began when women got the right to vote, Erica tells me sustaining a high voter turnout is hugely important to honour the history of the League. We have a lot of, of women who, you know, maybe their mothers or their grandmothers weren't able to vote. And so they really carry that with a, um, you know, it's a badge of pride to be able to vote and to be able to, to use that right. And it isn't just the League of Women's Voters who is working on this problem. The Brennan Centre for Justice is also trying to increase voter participation. Eliza Swearin-Becker, a representative for the Brennan Centre for Justice, told me she does this work all year long. That mission remains true every day of the year. Democracy work is is not just something we do in a couple weeks in November or October. And this election education remains relevant, even in years when people don't have to make their way to the polls. Our work remains really valuable and urgent, um, whether it's an even-numbered year or an odd-numbered year. In light of the Capitol insurrection, Eliza told me a lot of their work now revolves around election protection, 
She says raising awareness about reliable voting practices is really important to engage the public. To ensure that voters can cast their ballots safely, free from intimidation, and can be sure that they're casting ballots that will count. And this education is now not only a luxury, but a necessity. I'm aware that in recent months, a number of polls have been released reflecting that American voters may have a higher level of distrust in election systems than they have had in years past. This distrust stems from the events after the 2020 election. But both Eliza and Erica insist. Participating in your local elections is crucial to seeing change. We are kind of always speaking to that and to the fact that your vote does matter. It does count, especially when it comes to local elections. And that's really where you're going to make the biggest difference and also where it's going to impact you the most, right? If you want to make a difference, put the system to the test and have a say in who represents you on a local, state and federal level. It's up to you to head to the polls on November 8th and cast your ballot. With WFUV News, I'm Maya Sargent. That was my co-host, Maya Sargent talking about the spread of voter misinformation in the country. And that's our show for today. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.